Hello, this is Dr. Nancy O'Reilly, and I would like to welcome you to Smart Amazing Conversations with Dr. Nancy, a podcast that takes a look at stories of life and leadership for smart, amazing women and men like you. The most important thing is showing up. Don't think that you have to bring anything. Bring yourself, show up, and and remain steadfast and be a... If you are in a position of leadership and a position of management, bring women along with you. Supporting women is my passion and my purpose. And talking with other women and men who promote women's leadership is one of my favorite things to do. I've yet to meet a woman who did not know what she really wanted. She was just either afraid to ask the questions or she was afraid of what the answers meant. Their stories connect us and help us to understand that the possibilities are endless if we support each other and lift other women up. Trust is created by persistent identity. I show up as myself time and time and time again. And trust is built. It's one conversation at a time. Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy O'Reilly, and I'm pleased to welcome Julie Castro-Abrams to Smart Amazing Conversations with Dr. Nancy. And we're finally together. Julie is the founder and CEO of How Women Lead, a network of more than 14,000 top executive women who come together to learn, break barriers to success, and make an impact. Julie is an expert on building boards, with strategic advantage for including proactive searches for women to serve on corporate boards. She is a sought-after speaker in entrepreneurship and how women lead and is widely recognized for her unique ability to connect people in ways that make change happen. She is an active investor and advisor to thousands of startups and co-founded the launch for How Women Invest in 2020 to focus on the interaction of female founders and female investors, especially those of color. Thousands of new businesses attribute their launch and growth to her support, which has resulted in millions towards the economic growth in communities. Julie has won many awards, including the Jobs Genius Award, Morgan Stanley Innovation Award, Women Who Could Be President from the League of Women Voters, and many, many more. So I'm pleased to welcome Julie Castro Abrams to Smart Amazing Conversations with Dr. Nancy. We're going to talk about all of her initiatives. She also has an amazing podcast that she hosts, How Women Inspire, so she's going to inspire us today. Welcome, Julie. Thank you, Dr. (laughs) Nancy. What a gift to be here with you today, a sister in the fight to make it better for women. Well, you, uh, I like the justice advocate. I'm a, you're a justice advocate. I guess the thing is, is that we still have much to do in 2022. And, and in some ways, uh, that, is, that is hard to understand. But in more ways than none, I think we're still moving forward. We just have to keep pushing that dial, pushing and pushing. But what's important today is you talking about you and how you became you, because I think that's, it's so easy for women. And you know this, and I know that we do a lot of comparison. Women like to compare themselves to other women. And that, that, that's never really, the, you know, we don't ask enough questions about each other. We just compare before we have any information. So by talking about who you are and your story of where you've come from and why you do what you do, there's always connection. I find anytime a, a woman tells her story to another woman, there is always an important connection made. So how'd you get to be you? How, why, why am I talking to the Julie I am today? 
Where, where did well, you come isn't, from? Isn't that beautiful? Well, so this is the thing, probably like a lot of people that are listening to you, you know, I actually, I grew up sort of middle class, a little upper middle class, maybe from I in Iowa. Um, and, um, you know, I have to tell you sort of uh, both good, good stuff and bad stuff, but I was an athlete and, and really, um, frankly, in order to stand out in my family or get, get some of those rewards, if you will, in acknowledgement, it was all about being a performer and doing a great job, right? Both academically and as an athlete. And so, um, uh, I, you know, I think that that's foundational, you know, a lot of us in my, uh, cohort growing up in the seventies and eighties, you know, we were the first, I was one of the first women girl athletes that, that were part of title nine, right? Like I really got the benefit of our own mothers, uh, pushing the, you know, pushing through yeah. big efforts for us, but it still felt like we were the first yeah. and we had a lot of responsibility being the first, um, and feeling a sense of responsibility to our own daughters. And so honestly, um, being an athlete is an extremely powerful um, training ground for leadership, if you ask me. Uh, it teaches you how to work, it set goals, how to address, how deal with disappointment and frustration, but continue to move forward. Um, it, you have to work within a team, you have to follow a coach's guideline and get feedback. So all of those things that we all know we're looking for in employees, if you will, right? Or certainly leaders need to have, I feel like that was a really important training ground for me. And I grew up Catholic and I believed it. I believed we were supposed to live our lives the, the way the sort of stories were told. And honestly, by the time I was knocking on college, I was like, well, nobody else, everybody else just wants to wear pretty clothes on Sunday. They don't actually, they're not living their lives this way. And, and so I kind of crafted my own sort of frame of how I wanted to live my life. And and I, I don't ascribe to a religion at this point in my life, but truly that was formative for me um, to really, um, you know, being a good Samaritan, um, starting with love. It's not about money or power, even though I talk about that for other women, but for me, I want to have an impact. Um, I want to be able to go to sleep at the end of the night and, and throughout the course of my life, know that I, you know, there's, I think it's Irma Bombeck or somebody who was like, you know, I want to, I want to be exhausted when I die. Like, I want to know that yeah. I left nothing on the table. Right. Yeah. Um, no yeah. And, no and so, so, so I'm just driven by having some privilege. I feel like as the white woman in the United States, growing up in Iowa, getting a great education, I went to terrific schools and having a lot of opportunities um, and a, a couple challenges that um, not, not, no need to really get into those too much. But, you know, I feel like that it, it makes me feel like I have a really deep sense of responsibility in the world. And so hence, you know, being a, a gender and racial justice activist, um, I think it's a responsibility as the white woman to create space and to create a better environment for everybody and especially women of color and to take a backseat and listen and try and learn yeah. and not pretend like I have answers. Um, so I'm pretty humble at this, you know, when you're over 50, you get very humble. And I certainly feel like in many ways, I know what I'm good at. And I'm also, I, you know, I want to respect and honor other people's life journey. And I probably just, honestly, I start with love as the cornerstone. Um, and yeah. I feel like, you know, in all kinds of relationships in life, um, I'm going to start with love for you, uh, for everybody yeah. around me. And then I'm going to drive really hard to make change. So, yeah. um, so you were talking about working with women um, entrepreneurs. Well, you know, when I think about, I started my career in, uh, literally in social 
social work, social justice work, yeah, yeah, and yeah. built a philosophy around poverty alleviation that was really about, you know, if you, if you have a strengths-based approach to poverty alleviation, I feel like it's longer term, sticky longer term. So what, what does that have to do with entrepreneurship? Well, if you have a woman who's been trafficked or a violent survivor in some way, or, you know, having, you know, grown up with really tough circumstances, and she has an idea to start a company and you can help her do that. There is no better way for her to change her frame of who she is in the world, her own mantra, that self-fulfilling prophecy. I'm a CEO. I'm the leader of my organization. And it changes how everybody else around you interacts with you. So to me, that's how sort of a lot of my career started. I worked in microfinance and microenterprise, which is like helping low-income women start their own business and help over 6,000 women start their own companies. And I started doing that 20 years ago. And a lot of those women are my friends. They're still running those companies and they're doing great. But one of the things I saw during that is that there's a ceiling in terms of capital. I could do micro loans of $50,000, but when you get to a point where you actually need venture investing, Nancy, only 2% of all venture dollars go to companies founded by women. That makes no sense whatsoever. Very poor numbers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And so at this stage in my life, well, you know, if you live long enough, your friends start to run the world. Um, so I can act, I can get all those 14,000 women together and say, all right, we're all hungry to have an impact in the world. You know, once you hit 45, for the most part, there's a new life stage that happens and being with other women and having an impact are actually the road to happiness. And so I just get women together to, to become happier and to make change that I want to see in the world that we all want to see. So we all came together and launched a venture firm to solve for that problem. Um, And there's all kinds of ripple effects. Not only are we the only venture firm in the country focused exclusively on companies founded by women. So we, you know, we're really ceiling breakers in that way, which is stunning at this in 2022, those women now they tell people they're venture investors and they're like, Oh, would you go on my board? Or, you know, it's a power play. So there's all these things that are happening as a result. So I don't know, that's a little bit of the journey. Well, you're the like-minded community that you're making are also making a difference in the world to change for the, the world for good. You know, before COVID, the fastest growing trend were women-owned businesses. Uh, that has changed somewhat. But again, if you do have a group of women that are still out there, you know, and, and we, you know, COVID, a lot of women left the workforce and we need to get them back in there. And I think women's entrepreneurs are the best way to do that, but to invite other women to come into that community. You know, I mean, this is this is the way it has to be done. You know, our backgrounds are similar. I mean, I think, I guess I basically call myself a tomboy because, you know, that's really where I thrived was, I think that's for me where I got my power and felt the strongest and, and the most capable was in sports. And I think a lot of women though, that had started out with sports and, of course, we had to develop a relationship with men as well, boys, uh, boys, and not so much women, but boys, you know, and I think this is where a lot of mine came from was the fact that women did not support each other. And this, this became my goal time and time again is to find organizations like yours and other organizations that women supporting each other, because we know that women right now, we have control of over $11 trillion right now, but why aren't women investing in each other and investing in products and services because we we control 85% of products and services in the United States. Why aren't we controlling the market? So the, the goal is, again, 
we, we have the talent, we have the ability, we have the resources. Why aren't we using them for our, our better interest, especially women and women of color and, and bringing us together because we're all in this together? Well, you know, our culture has set this up. So I actually am kind of a believer, you know, let's give people the positive to focus on. Sure. So I actually created a countercultural framework that I ask everybody to buy into when they're involved in our network. And if people don't do this well, I ask them to step out. Yeah. Um, so we ask people to be fierce advocates for each other. Right. No more backstabbing mean girl. Wow. It's not pie. Like there's enough for all of us and it will only work if we're all fiercely advocating for each other. You know, you watch whether you be, you know believe in what she believes in or not, you know, you watch what happened to Hillary Clinton. People are starting to do all that bashing of Kamala Harris. We got to knock that stuff off. We got to knock it off. And we got to stop people in their tracks when they start to do it. It seems like it's a fun pastime, but we are so brutal to women leaders of all kinds. And we have got to fiercely advocate for them. So that's our first invitation. And it creates a safety net. For, everybody feels safer when they walk into our community because they know those are the rules of the road. You, you know, you talk about this time and time again, we have to have a seat at the table. Unless women use their voices for good, your group using their voices for good to change the world for good. But until we get the seat at the table and use our voices for good, we, we can't spend time backstabbing. We can't spend time creating drama. We have to spend time truly finding the women and, the, and that gender equity and, and what we need to to move forward in our lives and that's male advocates as well so you know i i think we're on the same page we've got to be on leadership boards uh we have to have a seat at the table we have to use our voice and you know one of the things that women i think have to get used to is not everybody's going to like you and and likability is is kind of what they said about hillary is that women didn't like her they over 50 percent of the women could have voted for her, but they said she, and they worked on that. They worked very, very hard to make sure that people saw her as not a likable person, exactly. even though she had the knowledge, the experience, and the talent to become uh, the next president of the United States. You know, and we're not going to go into politics, but the thing is, women have to get used to the fact that not everybody's going to like you, and that being uncomfortable is part of leadership. I mean, I think that's part of it. Women the fact that how do you become a leader? You have to understand that not everybody's going to like what you have to say. Not everybody's going to, uh, you know, just pat you on the back and, and getting uncomfortable and dealing with conflict. And these are things that women need to do. And, and again, you're advocating for them to be on board of directors. And that's the only way it's going to work. I, I don't know you, about you, but I've been on bank boards. I've been on many, many boards. And I'm oftentimes the only female in the room. And so the point is to get other females in the room. You know, but again. it is. And, it, you know, you were talking about the male advocates. So our this credo I was mentioning, this countercultural framework has four elements. The first is be fierce advocates. The second, when we ask women who makes the most introductions for you, it's often men yeah. uh, more than women. Yeah. So inviting you to actively make introductions and connections, just like you say, women connect for good. We have to actually connect each other and introduce each other and, and stop acting like it's somehow scarcity or reflection on us if the person isn't perfect. You know, men don't filter in the way that, that women do. So make introductions and connect women. The third is when she speaks up and isn't being heard, which often happens when you're the only in the room, be her megaphone and actively 
reinforce her voice. Um, So that might be on LinkedIn when somebody posts an article that they wrote or gets, has a win, take extra effort to just acknowledge and promote that person's voice. And the fourth thing, and this is the hardest for a lot of us is to be unabashedly visible. A lot of us sort of think, oh, I'm the behind the scenes person. I'm going to go, you know, I put other people in front. Well, that's all fine and good. And historically, that was what we were told is the right role for us. And it's indelicate to, you know, stand up in your own power. But this is what I want you to remember when you are having those moments of like, because culturally we're taught to be the behind the scenes person. It's not, it's not lovely. It's not delicate. It's not feminine to stand, like be powerful and have a voice. But my daughter's watching you. My 20 something daughter is getting her cues from how you show up. So if, if you let the guys have the front seat, if you are, if you're not stepping up, that has an impact on her own choices and how she behaves. So do it for somebody else. If you can't do it for yourself. So those are, those are, that's how I try to address like you're, you're working on as well. This sort of the negative cultural stuff that we need to buck. That, that's my that's my request of everyone is come up with your own version of a countercultural framework, a credo that says we're going to do the opposite of what the culture has taught us in those negative ways. Yeah, we, we can't be what we can't see and what we can't hear and what we know until we actually get out there and, and do the show and tell. And really, you know, we have a, we have a, the lift women up campaign every day of the year. We have uh, we have something that women can do for another. We're going to ask you to be a part of that, Julie. Get in the Lift Women Up campaign. But we do this every day. There's something that we have 365 days a year. But every day you can do something to lift another woman up. And if you lift as you rise, and this is the other thing, how many women, when they excel and move up, uh, up into the C-suite and go into the upper levels of management, bring another woman with them? This is the, the thing is that you're always bringing someone with you. You know, we, we talk about mean girls. You talk about it also. I still hear, what do I do about the mean woman? I can't believe it's still going on, but these young women are wanting mentors. They want somebody in the workplace to help them, to help them to elevate their skills and to use their skills in the company and understand the culture itself. So we, we have to continue to find those resources within the company and grow those mentors and grow that those relationships. Any successful company, if you're selling beans or you're selling, you know, t-shirts or whatever, it's all about relationships. And, and we women, we have that expertise. We're great at relationships. We're great at communication, but we have to use those skills, especially in corporate America to, to really uh, lift ourselves as we rise. The, the other thing, Julie, that we're not very good at is asking for help, asking for what we need. How many women go in and negotiate their salaries from the very beginning? How many women go in and already understand what their benefits are, are already asking what, what are their opportunities for advancement in a company? So we, we, we've got to get over being so, get, not be shy anymore. Well, this is my invitation for people to consider. I'm always sort of like, what is the positive of the, of the negative? All right. You like helping other people and you feel really good about yourself when you help other people, right? That's every, every woman you talk to is like, you know, do you like helping other people? Absolutely. Well, then you're being selfish. If you're not asking somebody else to help you, Yeah. how can I help you you? give other people a gift? when you ask them to help you. Yeah, and help so you? of course there's limits to it. You got to be reasonable about it, but, but that's not usually a problem for us. No, 
But again, this is what you're doing. How women lead, you're helping women do that. You're also how women invest. You know, and again, women are investing in companies and other organizations that are doing the same thing. I mean, you're, I'm talking to you today because of what you're doing. I'm not talking to somebody else who's not helping women, could care less what happens to women or men. It's all about doing good and making a difference in the world. And you're doing that. And so, how can, so the question then becomes for me, how can I help you? What can I do for Julie to help her to continue her wonderful journey to empower more and more women to be on corporate boards, to learn how to invest in, in companies that are making a difference to make this a better world. And as you say, come out with love, but it's always about developing positive, healthy relationships in the company. That's all we need, the good relationships. So Nancy, you're doing it. And so um, this, is, this, this is sort of what my mission is right now. I want every woman to know what it takes in your career pathway to get on a corporate board, why it would be of benefit to you and to the world to have you in that leadership role so that you start to map your career and really start to put it on your pathway to get there. Um, so one is I want all of you to listen to me and take this seriously. 10 years ago, um, there were in California, there are only about 10% of all public company board directors are women. And today it's over 30%. The doors have been swung wide open for you. It used to be at all, it was all CEOs and CFOs that were on boards. That is no longer the case. We need women who are great at culture, digital transformation, cybersecurity. There's all these different roles for, for all of us. Um, and that continues to evolve as we all start to become smarter about what makes good companies and good governance. Yeah. Um, so I want every single woman that's listening to this conversation to really take a step back. And then not only that, but it takes nine people encouraging you to, to run for political office. So my guess is it's probably somewhere between, you know, seven and 10 um, people encouraging you to consider going on a corporate board. So think about five to 10 women in your community that you respect, that you think should be putting it on their roadmap um, and encourage them. Just make the suggestion because we all need that, that suggestion. So, so that's getting women on corporate boards. I think the other thing is every single person listening on this call, if you work for a company, you can ask them how many women are on the board. Yeah. Just by anyone you do business with and, and your own employers. If you ask that question, it's most people kind of scurry around because they want to make sure that they have the answer and just asking the question helps. It's yeah. a drumbeat. And then I want 10,000 women to start investing in venture for the first time. They don't need to invest with my fund. I'm happy to have a conversation if that's interesting to you. What I want is you to step into the power and influence that in, and money that investing in venture results in. The stock market is tanking right now. We're all, nobody, you shouldn't be looking at your portfolio because it's too scary. But this is what I want you to know. Venture is killing it right now. Our returns are fantastic in our fund. Um, so this is an important diversification for your retirement, your donor advised fund, any money that you are investing. It's a, it's a really important thing for you to be thinking about whether or not this is the right time for you to invest in venture capital. You don't have to know anything about investing in companies because I do. Whoever's running that firm, you just need to know 
that you trust the people running the firm and you like what they believe in. Um, maybe you should ask them also how many women run companies they're investing in, but you know, I, I can give you some other things to look at, but this is the thing. A professional is leading that firm. They know how to find companies. They know how to make good decisions. You don't have to be involved in that. You can in some cases, um, but that's not a requirement. You just need to decide you're going to put money into venture um, as a, as an asset class. And the resulting influence that you have can be significant. And it also will result uh, likely. Well, the, in the, reason, the reason why so many of the women entrepreneur companies are successful is women are actually problem solving. And this is what women have always been so good at. Pro- produce a, uh, a service, produce a product, produce something that solves a problem. And, and women are fantastic at doing that. And so as, as investors, you're, you're absolutely correct. Everybody knows what the issues are. If there's something out there that you truly are passionate about, whether it's people or animals or the environment, I mean, there are so many things that we can invest in to make a difference. So, and and by the way, California is one of the first states to mandate on public boards that women will be, depending on the number of board members, will be on the board of directors. So we, we have one state, I don't know whether, where other states are at with that, but we're gonna see more and more states coming forward and saying, we must have women on boards. We know statistically over and over again, if women are on boards and they're in leadership positions in corporations, they are more successful. And the bottom line is always better with women on, in leadership positions. So I well, think- and Nancy, like this is the, the fact that only 2% of venture dollars go to funding women run companies means the innovation and creativity you're talking about is not getting fueled. I'll give you one example, menopause. It is a massive life change and every single woman ends up going through it if you live to 60 or more, right? There are very few solutions and products on the shelf for menopause because we are not getting funded to solve those problems. So we invested in a company called Bossa Bars, which is a fantastic, you know, a solution for, it is a health bar and it's no sugar and high protein and all that good stuff. You know, everything that we need. Um, That's an example of what women do. They solve for problems that we all have, but specifically from that lens, either for women or families and women hire six times more women and they're more likely to pay them equitably and have them in the C-suite. Absolutely. All right. Well, where can they learn more about you and investing, how, how to get on boards, how to, how to use their voices for good? How can they learn more from where, about, where do they get hold of you? They need to know where you are and how to get hold of you. www.howwomenlead.com. All one word. That really is the fastest pace uh, path to Rome. You can also, um, you'll have a link there on that website um, to get to our venture firm, but that's called howwomeninvest.com. So we're actively looking for women who want to go on the corporate board, women who need funding for their companies. We we want you to be part of this community and to really and be part of this beautiful um, effort to get women happier by doing things together and having an impact. Yeah. Well, we, women also need to know is that we're coming from a place of, of abundance, not scarcity, is that there are really a lot of women out there like yourself and, and me who are out there actively doing this and recruiting other women and bringing women, like-minded women into, commu- into the community as well as like-minded men so that we can really do all. I mean, we're not going to get anywhere until we all come together and really 
understand it's about us really making this world a better place. And, and I know you're doing that, Julie. So well, right back at you. I just love our alignment of our, our focus and our values. And, and we just need more of us um, all coming together. To well, we're just going to have to clone ourselves. We just have to work on that. But, uh, <laughs> Thank well, you. We're, we're, very much. Like I said, we'll do whatever we can to continue to promote and uh, let's stay in touch and continue our upward and onward journey to uh, for women to be in more leadership positions and to lift other women as they rise. So we will get you information about the Lift Women Up campaign and your 14,000 women of, of great influence to, to continue to lift as they rise. And we'll just keep working for that. Thank you, Dr. Nancy. You have a wonderful time. We got it. We, we did it. We did it. <laughs> have a wonderful, have a wonderful afternoon. Thanks. Honey, you too. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. If you enjoy these smart, amazing conversations, please subscribe, rate, and review them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And read and enjoy more amazing stories in my books, In This Together, How Successful Women Support Each Other in Work and Life, and Leading Women, 20 Influential Women Share Their Secrets to Leadership, Business, and Life. Thank you for listening.